Man, I want to say happy, happy Easter. My name's Matt. We are so glad that you're here. Y'all look good. Y'all look fantastic. A lot of the color pink out here. I bought me a pink shirt because it's Easter. It's springtime. Y'all look great, man. And uh, yeah, happy Resurrection Sunday, guys. We are so glad that you're here. Listen, today and this weekend, Easter weekend, we are literally celebrating the single greatest event ever in the history of the world, right? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And today, specifically, we're celebrating the resurrection resurrection of Jesus where he defeated death, hell, and the grave, and the tomb is empty. If you were to hop on a plane right now and fly over to Israel and peek your head into that tomb, guess what you're not going to see? You're not going to see Jesus because he is risen and he is alive, and that is good news. That is good news. Matthew 28, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them out. Matthew 28. We're going to be reading this. If you don't have your Bible, that's totally fine. Uh, Scriptures are going to be up on the screen. We're going to start in verse 1. This is Matthew's account of the resurrection, of the tomb being empty, and I absolutely love this. And um, just want to talk this down for a little bit. After the Sabbath, verse 1, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I just think that that's a boss move right there. I just want to point that out. This angel comes down, man, earthquake, man, he pushes the stone away and sits on it. He's like, yeah, I did this. This is awesome. Y'all should, y'all need to look at what I'm, I did, okay? Verse three, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. I'm sure that was an absolute sight to see. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, grab your pen, underline it. This is the whole reason why we are here. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. They ran to tell his disciples and suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings. Could you imagine this, right? Just seeing Jesus crucified on the cross and being buried and all of a sudden he is standing in front of them flesh. He's like, what's up? I'm here. It's me. It's Jesus. Greetings, right? Amazing. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Amazing. You see, Jesus' resurrection from the dead completes God's redemptive work. Right? The whole story of the entire Bible, if you were to say, Matt, what's this whole book about? Man, what, what is this thing about? It's all about Jesus, God bringing people back to himself through Jesus. Right? And so three days before this moment, when Jesus hung on the cross and he uttered the words, it is finished, he paid for our sins, both past, present, and future. And man, that's good news for a dude like me because I'm a sinner and I'm messed up and he paid for my sins. And then when he rose again three days later, it secured our salvation and our eternity and our eternal life in him. The resurrection is proof that whatever God said he would do, he did. He did it. All that he spoke through the Old Testament prophets. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. And everything that Jesus said when he came to the earth, 
everything was fulfilled. It's all true. And I'm here today telling you, 2022, 2,000 years later, it's all true. The story of Jesus and the resurrection, it is, it is true, and we can believe Jesus. That's the name. That's the title of the message today. I'm not really big on titles of messages, but if, it, if you were to write it down, man, believe Jesus. Numbers, all the way back in the Old Testament, 23, there's a passage there that says, God is not a man that he should lie. God's not like me and you, right? I've lied, I've said things, I've exaggerated, I've told little lies, I've told big lies, right? It's our, na- our nature is sinful, and sometimes we got to say things just to build ourselves up, but God doesn't do that. He is other. He cannot lie. His track record is absolutely perfect. If he says it, it's truth. It is absolutely true, and we can believe Jesus. You know, Paul talks about that for a second. In 1 Corinthians 15, this is what it says. He says, this is Paul talking, for I handed on to you as of first importance. Paul's saying this is a big deal. This is the first importance right here. What I in turn had received, what, was, what you guys saw was given to me, and now I'm giving this down to you, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. Okay, This has been written. Guess what? It happened. Right, That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. Paul's saying it's true. This is real. We can believe Jesus. I like to ask the question, you know, what is Easter weekend, right? I think we know what Easter weekend, we're we're here to celebrate the risen Savior, but thinking about it a little bit differently, Easter weekend is this, it's evidence that God loves you, that the creator of the world, the one true living God loves you and he's passionately pursuing you and he'll do whatever he needs to do to bring you back to himself. That's the story of the cross. That's Easter. It's proof. See, the truth is, without the resurrection of Jesus, there is no salvation. The resurrection of Jesus is literally at the heart and at the center of the gospel. And yes, it's true to say that without the death and the cross of Jesus, we wouldn't have salvation. But it's also accurate to say without the resurrection of Jesus, we wouldn't have salvation either. Because here's the deal. If Jesus is still in the tomb, if he's still in there, our faith is 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 void. It's nothing. What we're doing here doesn't really matter. Paul talks about that as well. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then there isn't, then, um, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. Paul's saying it again. Listen, it's true. It's all true. And my question for you today is, what are you going to do with the resurrection of Jesus? What are you going to do with the truth of Jesus raising from the dead? You know, everybody, this story, this historical account of Jesus raising from the dead echoes, has echoed for thousands of years all across the world. It's changed and revolutionized communities for, for, for ever since it happened. And it will continue until Jesus comes back to get us. And everybody's got to decide if they're going to believe this or not. Is this true? If it is true, here's what that means, right? It means that if this resurrection is truth, then that means there is a God, because that's a a miracle. And if there is a God, my question for you is, will you surrender your life to him? But maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, nah, man, I I ain't buying it. I'm just not, I'm not believing this. This is not, 
This ain't true. Do you know there's a group of people in the Bible that they were faced with eyewitness accounts of what happened, and they chose not to believe. They had all the evidence in front of their face, and they were like, nah, man, this ain't going to work for me. Matthew chapter 28, just a little bit further down of where you guys are sitting right now in, in your Bibles. Let's read, starting in verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Now, let me remind you what taken place, right? Boom, angel come, coming down from heaven, earthquake, right? Big deal, like lightning and brightness. And he rolls away the stone and he sits on it. He's like, yeah, I'm a boss, right? The, the Roman soldiers fall like what? Dead men, right? On the ground. That's what happened, right? Mary and Mary, right? They go off to do whatever they're, they're going to go do. It kind of sounds like a band name, Mary and Mary. That's what they should name themselves if they played music. Mary and Mary, they go off, right? The angel leaves, go, goes and does whatever cool thing he always does, right? Who knows what they're up to? Probably something awesome. And then the Roman soldiers finally get their legs underneath them, and they stand up, and they're like, we have to go tell somebody what happened. So boom, they run, they go tell the chief priests. And then they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel. They, had, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell the people. His disciples came by night and stole, away, stole him away while we were sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Because Roman soldiers, they would die if you fall asleep at your job. They would actually club you to death. Um, so they took the money did as they were directed, and this story has been spread among Jews to this day. This has to be one of the greatest denials of truth ever recorded, ever written. Go, just, you know what, Here, here's the story we came up with, the best we could do. Just tell everybody that the disciples came and stole the bodies away, all right? We'll keep you out of trouble. It's fine. No big deal, right? Why, why would they do this? Why would they make this choice given these eyewitness, this evidence well, we know that the chief priests hated Jesus. It disrupted their wealth and their being and their authority and their power. And if they believe that he is the son of God, guess what that means for them? It means that they got to bow down to Jesus. And they would rather protect, you know, they chose self-interest over truth when the evidence is literally right in front of their face. You know, for the next couple of minutes... I'd like to place some evidence in front of you. I'd like to look at three different things today as to why you can place your faith in Jesus, why you can believe Jesus. Those three things are this, you know, it's Old Testament prophecy. Number two is claims in the works of Jesus. And number three is the resurrection of Jesus, right? So if you'll allow me to nerd out with you guys just for a minute, because I love studying this stuff. I don't claim to be some deep Bible scholar, but I love looking at the truth of the person of Jesus, starting with evidence number one, why we can believe Jesus is this Old Testament prophecy. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of Old Testament prophecies uh, that were fulfilled by Jesus' birth, his ministry, and his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Hundreds of prophecies. Every prophecy that was ever spoken about Jesus came true. So I want to rattle down just a couple. We ain't going to go through all, you know, 600 of these things, right? Because we'd be here forever. I'm just going to go down a couple of them with you. And all these kind of focus around this week, this Holy Week, 
Okay, prophecy number one, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This was prophesied over 500 years before Jesus was even born. In Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Incredible. They're, pro- they're reading this like, what the heck? King on a donkey? What is this thing? 500 years later, Jesus comes to the earth, boom. He fulfills the prophecy in John 12, right? This is Palm Sunday. Tons of people from the city are gathering around, waving palm branches, singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and Jesus comes riding in on a donkey. It's amazing. The next prophecy, Jesus would be rejected by his own people. The God, the universe would be rejected by the ones he made, Isaiah 53, prophesied over 700 years, says this, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. John 1.11 says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Crazy. Next one is that Jesus would be silent before his accusers. Right, standing before Pilate, this was prophesied in Isaiah 53 as well. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Mark 15, 5 says, but Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. It's incredible. Now this next one, the soldiers divided and cast lots. You know, some people say like, yeah, Jesus had the Old Testament. He could have read that and took some notes and said, okay, I need to ride in on a donkey. I need to do all these things, right, so I can manipulate all this. And so, yeah, let me get a donkey. I'm going to ride on in, you know. But what about the prophecies that he couldn't control? What about the things that were involved other people? Psalm 22 prophesied a thousand years before Jesus came. says, I count all my bones and people stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. What happens when Jesus is on the cross? Jesus is on the cross, and what are the Roman soldiers literally doing at his feet? They're dividing up his garments, and they're casting lots to to figure out who's going to get it. Amazing. The next one is that not one of his bones would be broken. This one is fascinating to me because all the way back at Numbers 9, 1,400 years before that, says they must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning, and they must not break any of its bones, right? He's talking about the Passover lamb, and we know that Jesus is the perfect Passover lamb coming later. And the account found in John 19, right, they, they wanted the, the people on the cross to go ahead and die. So they came through and they began breaking the legs of the, of the two thieves on either side of Jesus. And when they came to Jesus, what did they see? They saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break any of his bones. It's amazing. It's prophesied that they would pierce his hands and his feet in Psalms 22, thousand years before Jesus came. It says that they have pierced my hands and my feet. Luke 24 is such a cool account because it's Jesus appearing in front of his disciples. And he's like, yo, check this out. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Does a ghost have flesh and bones? He's basically saying, I'm real. I'm literally in front of you right now. It was prophesied that Jesus would die as a sacrifice for our sins. And man, that is good news. In Isaiah 53, again, it says, I will give him the honors of the one who is mighty and great because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among those who were sinners. 
And we know the whole purpose and the whole reason of the cross was so that he would die for you and that he would die for me. It's amazing. Another prophecy that Jesus can't control himself was that Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah 53, the same passage, it says that he was buried like a criminal and that he was put in a rich man's grave. And we know that Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate and says, hey, I want to bury him in my personal tomb. He was a rich Sanhedrin. And then the last one here is that Jesus would not stay buried but would, rose, would rise from the dead, but rose from the dead here. In Psalm 16, says that, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow the, your Holy One to undergo decay. And then Matthew 28, that verse, man, is that he is not here, he is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Evidence number one, because he fulfilled Old Testament prophecy, you can believe Jesus. That is incredible. The next one, the next evidence that I talked about was the claims and the works of Jesus. You see, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. This is, this is crazy. Either you are the Son of God or you're absolutely crazy, right? And for those of you that may haven't been around church very much, you might think, man, what does Son of God mean? Did God marry somebody and have a baby? No, that's not what it means. What it means is that God himself came out of heaven, took on the form of man, human form, and came to us. Right? That's what it means to be the Son of God. And, and Jesus would make claims like this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right? That's a pretty bold statement, is it not? And in John 10, he would say things like, I and the Father are one man. And it drove the, the religious people absolutely crazy. They hated it. They hated it. They put him on trial because of the things that he, that he said. In Matthew 26, this is it right here. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. I'm sure he probably had the vein popping out of his forehead. He's probably very, very upset, very angry. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said so. He's about to get himself in trouble, right? But I tell you from now on, you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robe and said, he has uttered blasphemy. You, you know, to them, these religious people, to claim that you were the same nature of God, saying that you are God, was blasphemy. And we know that's what ultimately got Jesus killed. That's why they crucified him, right? So he's making all these claims, right? I'm, I'm the, me and the Father are one. I got all this authority. It's me, you know, I'm the son of God. But here's the really interesting thing. He backed up his claims with signs and wonders. Is that not amazing, right? We know that he healed the sick and he gave recovery of sight to the blind. He made the lame man walk. He fed 5,000 people with just a little bit of food. He forgave sins and he walked on the water and then he turned water into wine and then he commanded the water, the wind, and the waves and it's, he said, calm down, and it did. It's amazing. He cast out demons and even the demons knew and called him by name, and he would raise the dead. He would look at somebody laying in a bed and say, no, she's not dead. She's just sleeping, right? So not only did Jesus make these bold claims, he backed them up, and he followed them up with these divine works, and no other religious leader ever in the history of the world ever made claims like this and then backed them up and proved them and said, listen, nature obeys me. I am God. 
Jesus stands alone. He is God, and that's the evidence number two. Because he's God, we can believe Jesus. We can believe him. And then the last thing I want to talk about just for a few minutes, and, and you know, this, this whole resurrection, Easter Sunday, is, is just tremendous. I wish I was there. You know, I wish I was in that moment like a fly on the wall just, just taking all of this in. And if you start to think through this lie that, that they told and is this real, you know, again, just a couple of practical thing, thought, things about this is the burial was very public and it was very secure, right? We know that Jer, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, Jesus was buried in his tomb, a rich man's tomb, right? And so it's not like, you know, his tomb was out in the boondocks underneath a tree and they put a, you know, put a little stone on top of him and said, all right, there you go, Jesus, see you later. No, Joseph of Arimathea, his tomb was in the city center, in the middle. People knew what was going on. They knew where he would be buried, right? This was not something quiet and secretive that was happening, it was such a big deal that they put Roman soldiers in front of him, rolled this massive stone in front of this tomb. And then thinking about that and then thinking about this lie, and the tomb was empty. The tomb was truly empty. Matthew 28, again, it says, The guards were so afraid of him that, he, that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He was risen just as he said. So put yourself there, right? Put yourself in this moment. Like you're right there with Mary and Mary, right? And you're walking, you're in this moment, right? Angel sitting on the stone, rolled away. You got these Navy SEAL level, you know, warriors laying on the ground. You're like, what is happening? You walk into this tomb and all of a sudden you look over to where Jesus is supposed to be and he's not there. He's not there. It's amazing. And so again, thinking about these high priests that are like trying to come up with this great ludicrous story, why would they, why would they hide the fact that the tomb was empty if it wasn't? And let's say for the sake of the story that the Roman soldiers did fall asleep, right? What, how did they know who stole the body? If they're sleeping, how, do they, how were they able to identify the fact that it was the disciples And are we really to believe that a group of men, these uneducated tax collectors, fishermen, were able to push this 2,000-pound stone out of the way, grab Jesus' body, and bolt without waking up these soldiers sleeping right next to him? You know, and if they didn't, if they did that, why haven't they put the disciples on trial? Because grave robbing is obviously a crime, and you can't do it. You know, to me, the lie is evidence that the tomb was empty. That's what it tells me. A couple other things is, uh, you know, that Jesus appeared to a ton of people after his resurrection. Over 12 different occasions, over 500 people, Jesus in flesh showed up to people, to his disciples saying, hey, touch me. This is real. To Mary, to to the disciples walking along the Emmaus Road, to over 500 people on the Galilean mountain, right? Jesus was there in, in the flesh. And maybe the most compelling of all of these reasons to believe in the resurrection is this. The disciples gave their lives for it. You don't give your life away for a lie, right? You know, if I was one of those disciples and this was all a big lie, you know, I might would say, you know, yeah, you know, I believe it, whatever, Jesus is true. And then it comes to the moment where I'm on trial and I'm about to be killed. Guess what? I'm going to come clean. I'm going to say, time out, y'all. 
hold on one, one minute. This is, this is all a bunch of junk. This is, this is false. But no, you don't give your life away for a lie. You do it. You stand up for the truth. Acts 2.24 says this. This is Peter preaching with boldness. And we know Peter was crucified for his belief in Jesus. We know Andrew was crucified. We know James was run through with a spear. They, they were martyred for their belief in Jesus. This is him preaching right here. It says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Verse 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. Oh, man, I just love this boldness. So listen, the resurrection is true. The evidence is there. Because he rose again, you can believe Jesus. Because he rose again, you can believe Jesus. So I want to go back to my question to you. What are you going to do with the resurrection? Will you believe Jesus? If you haven't ever placed your faith in him today, maybe you're in here and you're like, man, I was, I'm here because my grandma's here and she wants me to be here. And, and you know, I, I don't, I've never, you know, I don't like to go to church. I don't believe in this Jesus. Maybe you're in here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus. Well, my question to you is, will you? What's stopping you? What's holding you back from this moment, from this, from this moment of belief? You know, you ask the question, what will happen if you don't believe Jesus? Well, here's the deal. The Bible tells us that there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way. Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come unto the Father except through me. So we have to believe him. And if you choose not to believe in Jesus, here's what it means. It means that you're going to live this life without purpose. You're going to live this life wondering, empty, you can try, you can grasp at anything and everything to make yourself happy, but it's not going to work. And then the other reality is that beyond this grave, you're going to live in eternity separated from him forever. You might think, oh, man, I just can't, I just can't give up my life. I can't give up the things that I like. Listen, what you stand to lose pales in comparison as to what you stand to gain. You see, if you believe in Jesus, you get eternal life. Life after the grave here. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. But the amazing thing is, is not only do you get eternal life, the security, you get to live this empowered life right now. You get to experience life and life abundantly. That's what John says, John 10, 10, right? You get to live on purpose for a reason, waking up every single morning. No, your life isn't perfect, of course, but you get to live with this peace inside of you and this joy inside of you, knowing that your life is, is owned and you've given your life to the one true living God. That's what you stand to gain. Would you bow your heads with me?